recording. Hello, church. Hi. All right. Welcome to church. It's the middle of November somewhere. And uh, come on in if you're in the hallway. If you're not in the hallway, then you're already here or you're on Zoom. Hello. Um, here we go. Actually, we'll start with prayer real fast. Thank you, God, that we can be here. We can praise you. We can uh, be with our friends here at church. Amen. Here we go. I'm going to start with a song that we haven't played in ages, ages, who knows how long it's been, but I think you guys will be able to pick it up. I kind of like it. You can choose to stand or you can choose to sit. Your call. God in heaven and here my on earth so I'll let my words be few Jesus I am so in love with you we'll do that one again your God in heaven and here am I on earth so I'll let my words be few Jesus I am so in love with you and I'll stand in I'll stand in awe of you, and I'll let my words be few. Jesus, I am so in love with you. The simplest of love songs. I want to bring to you so I'll let my words be few Jesus I am so in love with you and I'll stand in awe of you stand in awe of you, and I'll let my words be few. Jesus, I am so in love with you, and I'll let my words be Jesus, I am so in love with you.
blood of Jesus. Glory, glory, this I sing, nothing but the blood of Jesus. All my praise for this I bring, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow, no other fount I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. go. Good morning, church. You know, it says in the Bible that, that uh, God knows our needs even before we ask. And uh, last Sunday, uh, Sharon, was she's got her knee all torn up and is going to have to have a partial knee replacement. But uh, we came in and we needed a wheelchair for her. And so uh, we came in and who would be at the door but Mary Calcagno, you know? I mean, she's a saint. And I don't know if you can hear me there, Mary. She's still at the door. But uh, uh, so Mary, uh, they, they arranged the wheelchair that the church has. Uh, but Mary said, my sister has a wheelchair that she's not using. And so by the time we got home, God had provided, and we didn't even have to ask. We didn't even have to ask for a wheelchair. That was something we were discussing. And I just want to praise the Lord for, for that, that, that need that was answered before we even asked. So does anybody have a God sighting or a testimony of how God has uh, shown up for us? All right. Uh, yesterday we did a funeral for my uncle Doug in Minneapolis, and I have a cousin who is uh, the first um, Navy SEAL to transition. So I have a transgender cousin who's the first Navy SEAL to have transitioned, and she retired um, two weeks ago. And You know, but politics aside, um, she was not celebrated when she retired. And there was a, just a wave of sadness in our family. Um, she had given 25 years, and they didn't even, like, throw a coffee or anything. And uh, in my huddle, I was sensing from the Lord, like I was supposed to give her a word of encouragement. And she lives in Virginia, and so I was like, oh, I'm going to write a card, and I'll send this card. And it was crazy because I was in the lobby of the church in Minneapolis yesterday preparing for the funeral, and I looked up, and Ashley was walking up the driveway to the church. And I was like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> I get to give this word of encouragement in person. And it was just an absolute gift. Um, there's a lot of, I mean, all of us have brokenness in our families and relationships. 
um, that haven't worked out. And I felt like yesterday in this uh, funeral, there was just these pockets of people who um, don't talk to each other, who have hurt each other, who have uh, decided to not um, do life together. And I felt like yesterday there was this uh, spirit of um, like permission for me to go to each pocket. And that um, I really felt like God was uh, using me as an agent of reconciliation because I wasn't a part of, I didn't represent the church that was hurtful to them. And half of them were bikers that party hard. My uncle partied hard as a Harley guy. And for them to see me with tattoos, they were like, oh, who's this guy? And I just felt like there was all these uh, opportunities to be a part of like, um, just like God's word of like encouragement and of, of letting people know that God sees them. And despite the division that had, has happened for many, many years, um, that there, was, there could be a new season that there could be some fresh uh, wind in those sails, fresh water in those relationships. And so I'm praying that God will continue to show me what's my role. Um, sadly, like Facebook is part of that because that's how most of them communicate. And I was thinking about getting off it. So uh, wisdom with that and just thankful that God um, carried me through the last three weeks um, of some traveling and it all kind of culminating in doing a funeral in Minneapolis. So I'm here this morning because I wanted to be here, and I'm super thankful to be here, and I'm thankful for God's uh, continued um, strengthening and empowering in those times when we're stepping in and we're like, oh, I don't think this, could, this isn't going to go well. <laughs> this could potentially go really badly, and for that grace that God gives in those moments. Amen. Amen. Jackie. Well, as many of you know, my uncle, Ke my uncle Keith is in the hospital right now. And, and I'm hoping and praying that he has a speedy recovery. And I'm, 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 and I give thanks for all the doctors and nurses who are helping him and all, and to all the other doctors and nurses who are helping other patients and other hospitals right now, because what's going around, like COVID is still going around and the new virus, like respiratory illness, RSV is going around. And I just wanna give thanks to all the doctors and nurses because, with, because with, without them, the, our patients would never get cured. So I give thanks to all the doctors and nurses who have been hoping helping who have been helping our our patients get better and i just pray that my uncle keith has a speedy recovery let's pray for uncle keith my dad's brother your dad's brother okay so lord we pray for keith right now that your hand of mercy would be upon him speed his recovery we thank you for all the doctors and nurses and med techs and just pray that you'll bless them as they have blessed so many of us Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Okay, somebody else. Testimony, a word. Yes. Oh, my goodness, this is Pastor Testimony Day. 
A week ago Friday, I lost my wedding ring. Spoiler alert, I found it. Uh, in the backyard when I was um, playing with the boys in big piles of leaves. And so I, knew, I had it in my pocket, and when I pulled my phone out, my ring popped out and fell somewhere in the yard. And so um, I, went, I heard that Ferndale has a metal detector that you can rent out, um, but you have to be a Ferndale resident, so I went there and I couldn't get it. And then my neighbor had one, so I got a metal detector. Anybody who's used a metal detector, this one wasn't a great one. I mean, they're kind of helpful, but if your yard's kind of a mess, it's beeping everywhere, and so you're just looking in the grass all over. But I'm, I took the metal detector out there with Harvest on, like, Monday or Tuesday of last week, and I found it. And I just I couldn't believe I found it, for one. I was so pumped that I found my ring that we, we threw this I took Harvest to Target, and I bought him a toy. Why, you say? I, I don't know. I got ice cream. I was living the parable of Jesus. When he told that story about the lady who lost her coins and she only had 10, right? I was that lady. And I lost my ring and I found it and I threw a party. Um, but the, the whole reminder of that is Jesus was like, that is what God does. He is pumped when, when we're found, when we go home. And so... I had a glimpse of that story of Jesus, and it was, it was a lot of fun, and I found my ring. How awesome. Awesome. Party on. Okay. Anybody else? Story, a God sighting. Okay. Well, let's keep the party going with some praise music. Tangled strap here. All right, one last song. If anybody wants to stand up, they can stand up. Here we go. You are matchless in grace and mercy. Nowhere we can hide from your love. You are steadfast and never failing. You are faithful for creation is in awe of who you are. You're the healer of the sick and the broken. You are comfort for every heart that mourns. Our King, our Savior forever. For all eternity we will sing of all you've done. For all eternity we will sing of all you've done. We sing God with us. God for us, nothing can come against, no one can stand between us, God with us, God for us, nothing can come against, no one can stand between us.
It moves with compassion Where there's life There's healing in your love You're the Father The Son The Holy Spirit Through eternity We will sing of all you've done We sing God with us God for us Nothing can come against No one can stand between us God with us God for us Nothing can come against No one can stand between us death you brought life Lord where there was fear you brought courage when I was afraid you there with me you lifted me up you lifted me up where there was death you brought life Lord where there was fear, you brought courage. When I was afraid, you were there with me. You lifted me up. You lifted me up. We sing, God with us, God for us. Nothing can come against no one can stand between us, not with us, God for us, nothing can come against, no one can stand between us. Good morning. Again, welcome to Genesis. My name is Liv. I have a few announcements for you if I can get this to work here. So please take a moment to let us know either you're here or to submit your prayer requests. You can do that via the connection card on our website or there is a physical green card in the pews uh, that you can fill out and uh, with your contact information and again prayer requests so you can place that physical green card there is a wooden uh, box in the back of the sanctuary and you can also place your offering if you have brought that with you uh, we do um, appreciate those who have continued to give faithfully online or via text or if you are new to our church community if you're new to genesis text new to genesis all one word to ninety-four thousand. So tis the season for giving. Uh, there are two opportunities. We have been collecting boxes of love for crew who provides inner city churches with a practical way to share the gospel with their community. And these are for Thanksgiving, which is obviously coming up quickly. Uh, these are just being distributed in Detroit and the boxes feed a family of six. So we have uh, ended past our deadline for the physical collection of items, but you can still give online uh, to that program. So we will put the link out in the text. 
and you can give directly through there. Their goal is to provide 1,500 boxes of love this season. And then again this year, with Christmas coming up right around the corner, uh, CDC is the Central Detroit Christian Community Development Corporation, and they are one of our compassion partners. And each year they do a very cool thing um, that is Pride for Parents Christmas Store. And basically what that is, is they take donations from individuals or corporate donations. We will also take those if you know anyone or anyone at your workplace does matching uh, gifts. Uh, and they, they literally create a store in their space. And instead of just giving away the donations free, which of course they could do, they price them very, very, very low. So if there's a toy, you know, that's $30 that you could purchase, perhaps it's only $3 there. So it gives these parents and these families dignity in terms of being able to still provide for their family, um, buy gifts for Christmas. And that's just part of sort of their mission, empowering people and creating um, positive opportunities for their community and loving their neighbors. So this year, what they are asking us to do and assigning different churches, sort of different items is uh, buying new underwear or socks. So we can all do this. Uh, that's our contribution this year. There's a wishlist link found in the bin in the lobby. It's on our e-blast, it's on Facebook, or you can simply buy a couple packages at a local store and drop them off in the bin in our lobby by Sunday, December 4th. So again, these packages you know, can range from eight to $25, um, depending on your budget. If you don't know what to buy, I don't know, stand there in front of the display, close your eyes, reach out and pick one. I don't know if they still do the weekly underwear, right? The daily, the daily underwear assignments. Maybe you like those. I feel like that stifles creative choice, but um, that's up to you. So for more information, you can contact Alison Kniza or you can drop a note in our text um, and we'll get that to her if you have any questions about that. So um, hopefully you'll be joining us today. I know we'll be talking in sort of small groups uh, after the message, Bo's message today um, with myself and some other group leaders. And we are continuing our series on belonging. So that's a nice tie to what Nate was talking about and the different pockets that we can create, um, even among our friends um, and our group and our families. So hopefully we'll continue that in conversation. So at this time, I'm going to release you for connection with one another and release our middle school students.
This is on. Yeah, there we go. Well, good morning. Welcome again. So our pattern on the second Sunday is just kind of set up the concept that we're going to talk about. We've got a number of facilitators here in the room to lead a 20-minute conversation with each other. These groups are not the small group conversations that we've been doing through the weeks as we talk about belonging, but we learn from each other. This is just us saying we learn from each other. There's no one expert who owns all the information. You grow with the help of each other. That's how you grow. That's how we develop. And so we love that sense of belonging and connectedness by getting to teach one another, share our own experiences um, of belonging. So we hope you stick around. That will happen right here. God willing, that will happen in 15 minutes. We'll lead those. You're like, yeah, no chance. <laughs> Do not set your timers. Uh, we're talking about belonging. Uh, the series is called Dinner Party. And today is perfect because the story we're looking at is a dinner party. And if you've read any portion of the Bible, especially the stories of Jesus, there's a lot of dinner parties. There's a lot of dinner conversations. There's a lot of things that are happening over a meal. And so we're talking about belonging in the dinner party and about how all of you belongs. And so that idea of all of us belong, we, we all have this concept of what it is to have a persona. Like, Professional wrestlers have a persona. That's the biggest character of that. But every one of us has a persona. This is how we want other people to see us. And so we have this. Maybe it's strong or successful or intelligent or whatever it is. You, we all want everyone to see us according to this persona. But our identity is different than persona. Identity is how we see and understand ourselves, not just how we want others to see us. And identity is something that goes on throughout life, and the idea of belonging is that all of you belongs. And so you can see yourself crystal clear without fear or shame and belong. Genuine self-knowledge begins by looking at God and seeing how God looks at us. Grounding our knowing of ourselves in God's knowing us anchors us in reality. So our knowing of ourselves is not ground in, is not defined or determined by what you think of me or what I think of me. But it's anchored in how God thinks of me. And so today in belonging, as we set this up, we talk about all of us belongs. Every part of me belongs. Uh, much, a lot of the concept, there's been a book that I have read probably three or four times. It's called The Gift of Being Yourself by David Benner. And so if there's any of these concepts that you're like, I want to grow in that kind of self-knowing uh, this is an amazing short little book. He, he wrote three little books. He calls them a trilogy. But The Gift of Being Yourself is a beautiful book. But genuine self-knowledge begins by looking at God and noticing how God looks at us. So my question is, so how, how is God looking at you? 
Have you ever noticed how God looks at you? Or maybe we could frame that question in this way. How does God feel about you? What is God's knowing of you? Have you ever had the perception that God was preoccupied with your sins and shortcomings and that he viewed you with anger or reproach? Or are you afraid that God's mad at you? So what is your perception of how God sees you? What is your idea of God knowing you? And how does God feel about you? And so we talk about self-knowledge today. Our hope is that we would be able to crystal clearly know and hear that God sees us with this beautiful love. And our identity is rooted in God's love for us. And coming to know and to trust this love is a lifelong process. So today, we want us all to be able to take away that Jesus wants our authentic self at the dinner party, at the party. Jesus wants our authentic self, our full self. God wants us to show up as we are, not just the embitterment of ourselves, but to show up exactly as we are, and this will be for the betterment of others. So the dinner party we want to look at, this is in Luke 7. The text is going to be anchored in this, and this is Luke 7, verses 36 to 50. And this is the dinner party that Jesus finds himself at. One of the Pharisees, and a Pharisee is just a religious leader, a Pharisee was just the people among Judaism who were Jewish who took all of God's instructions incredibly seriously. They were 612 commandments, and the Pharisee said, we're going to obey them all. We're actually going to put our will, our determination, and everything we have in order to do every 612 of them. That's what they, that's, that's this group was set up to do. And so Jesus, with one of those, so one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with them, so Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman from the city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. She knelt behind them at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she weeped, and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. When the Pharisees saw who had invited, when, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. Then Jesus answered his thoughts. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. Then Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one, 50 pieces to the other, but neither of them could repay him. So he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, suppose the one whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet. But she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you her sins, and there are many, 
They've been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. But the person who is forgiven little shows little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. The men at the table said among themselves, who is this man that he goes around forgiving sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. So as I began this conversation, and this story right here of the dinner party, genuine self-knowledge of understanding who we are begins by looking at God and noticing how God is looking at us. And so this is a story about people looking at each other and viewing who's among them. In this story, like most of us live in our lives, we have this person named Simon who is looking at the people around them and making his presumptions. How is Simon, the Pharisee, looking at the woman? Well, primarily, she's a terrible sinner, and she's not welcome in this room, and she's not welcome around the table. And how was Simon looking at Jesus? He said, well, Jesus was a prophet. If Jesus had any kind of knowing about him, a prophet being able to proclaim the truths of God and an understanding of God, if Jesus was any, had any kind of knowing, he would know what kind of woman this was and want nothing to do with her. So this person who understood all the commands of God, maybe better than anybody in that room except for Jesus, believed that his idea of seeing others and himself and even God, what does God see of this woman? It would be a sinner. And because of that, he had no true knowing. And because of that, he also was missing out on genuine knowledge of knowing how God saw him. So I ask you the question, is Simon the hero in this story? Or this Pharisee, as you read this story, is this guy put in a good light? No. But but majority of people, when we think about God and how does God see us, they see a God who sees people just like this guy does. What's the deep knowing of you? You're kind of a letdown. You're kind of a disappointment. You're kind of a failure. You're kind of a mess. And that couldn't be further from the deep knowing of how God sees us. Further from the truth of the deep knowing of how God sees us. Simon's deep Simon's self-knowledge is deeply flawed. His persona of how he wants to be seen is an illusion. And so today, as we talk about being able to, to be fully ourselves, I want to talk about three, I just want to mention three deep truths that are a part of this dinner party. There are three deep truths that help us to have an actual knowledge, a self-knowledge of who we are in the eyes of God. That allow us to have safe places of belonging for ourselves and for others. David Benner mentioned these deep truths. And he said, a complete knowing of ourself in relation to God includes knowing three things. The first deep truth is this. To know ourself is deeply loved by God. 
deeply loved by God. That's primary. That's the first knowing. You're deeply loved by God. And the second is a, a deep knowing that self, you're sinful. And the third is going to be that you, yourself, you, you are in the process of being redeemed and restored. And facing these deep truths about ourselves makes it possible for us to accept and know ourselves as we are accepted and known by God. So the first deep truth, you are deeply loved by God. This is the primary knowing of yourself. This is how you can even be fully yourself. We are deeply loved by God. God looks at us. How is God looking at us? God looks at you and looks at me with a deep love. That's how God sees us primarily from the beginning with love. God cannot help but to see you through the eyes of love. And God's love has nothing to do with your behavior, with your doing. It has everything to do with your being. You are here and God deeply loves you. This is one of those knowings that can be a bit easy to hold on, but it feels like sand at times where it just drifts through our fingers so quickly and we forget and we begin to put on personas that our, our, our identity is in our doing and not in us being deeply loved by God. Embracing this love of God sustains our existence. Uh, this inextinguishable love of God is, is our hope and the fulfillment of our hope. This is our identity and our calling. We're children of love, created from love. And our existence makes no sense without it. Deep truth. You are deeply loved by God. The self that God persistently loves is not my pretend self, my prettied up self. It's not the self of my own making. It is the actual me and you. God sees it all. There are many parts to every one of us. Some of those parts to you, you really like. You have some confidence parts, and you have some really stubborn parts, and you have some tenacious parts, and you have some funny parts, and you have some curious parts. And there's other parts of you that you don't like. You have some arrogant parts, dismissive parts, distrustful parts, skeptical parts, parts of you that, that seem that you believe the worst in people. You see the worst in people. Some of those parts of us, we delight in the pain of others. Hey, there's, there's parts that we would say they're not welcome here. For some of those parts, we even say that part of us that isn't welcome is, is sinful. It misses the mark of love. But yet all of these parts are welcoming. God knows all of these parts of us and doesn't look at disgust at us, but yet sees us with a deep love just as we are, even in light of all these complex parts of us that we might abhor, be fearful of, deny, be blind to, unaware of. 
and only project the best parts. God persistently loves us. But on this journey, our identity in this is that we are deeply loved for God. The second deep truth is this, we are sinners. Now that language can be, maybe usually we're broken, we're flawed. Because sometimes that language has brought a lot of baggage where it, it really wasn't about this idea of our being and that we're sinners. It was really that somebody was pointing out all the different sins and said, oh, get this in, get this stuff right and then you'll be accepted. Get these things in order and then you'll be welcomed. Fix this and then you'll be good. It was more like sin management. It was like manage these behaviors, do this and then you're good and you're welcomed. And that's not what this second truth is about. The second truth is just acknowledging all these parts of us. And, and some of them are so deep within us and so displeasant within us, they are just who we are. They're part of our being. These flaws go deep into our hearts, into our motives. We're not trying to manage them. Some level, we're wanting to be able to accept, oh, th this is a part of who I am and I do not like it and it's ugly. I'm, gro I'm, I'm grossed out by it. Parts of my own vanity and arrogance are things that disgust me and I, I don't want them to exist. I want to hide them, but I, I still have them. I still have parts that when someone wrongs me and something happens that isn't so great for them, a little part of me smiles. And that's just ugly. But our identity is not based on being a sinner. So this order has to be, this deep knowing is crucial that primarily it is you're deeply loved, but you're also a sinner. And what that allows for you says, oh, God deeply loves me and he knows exactly who I am. I don't have to pretend to be something other. Something other. I'm not trying to manage the other. I want to acknowledge the other, accept the other, so that I can live in this deep love of God. And not have to put a mask on and pretend and have a persona. That doesn't mean we're going around trying to hurt each other. We just know that there's broken and flawed. That there are basic things about us that should not be, but are. They shouldn't be, but they are. And you can try to manage it all you want. but it doesn't seem to work to manage it. We seem to be programmed for selfishness, not love. Our motivations are never as pure as we want them to appear. Even though we were created in the, with this potential and created in the image of God, we seem to be sabotaged by these agendas inside of us that we don't seem to have control of. We don't do what we want to do. We do the things we don't want to do. There's echoes of those who have pursued Jesus. Knowing that we're sinners is more than knowing that we just sin in these specific things. In some realm, we talk about this deep knowing that we're deeply loved sinners. To be human is to be a sinner, to be flawed, is to be broken. We have, we're damaged goods. We carry this flatal flaws with us that infects our being. But what is primary true of us is that we are deeply loved even though we are flawed. 
And the third deep truth is this. We are in the process of restoration and redemption. This is where hope comes in. I can accept my brokenness. I can look at it without shame and fear. And my job is not to fix it. My role is to come to Jesus who deeply loves me and allow that love and the presence and that person to bring this new life and transformation. We are in the process of transformation, being redeemed and restored. David writes about that. He says, the self that begins the spiritual journey is the self of your own creation. Wherever we started the journey, that self was our own creation. And any of us who've journeyed with God, that self dies, fades away. These selves that we thought ourselves to be, that self dies on the journey. The self that arrives is the self that was loved into existence by divine love. This is the person we are destined from eternity to become. So spiritual transformation, this process of being transformed, is, um, does not result from fixing our problems. It results from turning to God in the midst of them and meeting God just as we are. Turning to God, our sin and shame, is the heart of spiritual transformation. These are the three truths of deep self-knowledge that allows us to say, can we come with everything that we are? Can we belong with everything that we are? Deeply loved by God. Truly broken and flawed sinners. And in the process of being transformed, restored, and redeemed. That's self-knowledge. With a knowledge like that, with those things, we can enter those spaces and be like, I belong just as I am right now. And we can make room for others to say, oh, you belong as well, just as you are right now. I love to this quote that said, following Christ from David Benner should make us more human, not less. We know that something is seriously wrong, something that is seriously wrong if it does not. And so on our journey with God, if it makes us less human, something is wrong. With this knowledge, this self-knowledge, this becoming that we're a part of. And so we want to be on this journey to be, to bring our full selves. So is this your reality? Is this your reality? You are deeply loved by God. You are a sinner. You are in the process of redemption and restoration. Genuine self-knowledge begins by looking at God and noticing how God is looking at us. Are you noticing? Let me pray. So Father, as we take a moment and learn from each other and discuss and take a look at this dinner party that Jesus was invited to um, and see all the 
ugliness as a part of this party that's in others, seeing all the brokenness of it, but may we be able to see uh, you and your true intent. Open us up to each other to be able to learn from each other, to be able to grow from each other, to listen to the other perspectives as they hear this. May we be able to show up fully as we are as we talk about these things together. Thank you for the ability to journey with other people, with people who know these deep truths and can speak them over us and help us identify them. Let these truths be awakened in us, we pray. Amen. Okay, so we're going to do, I, I didn't do 15, but I was not terrible. Maybe a little bit. So we've got, we've got some facilitators. If you're a facilitator, would you, would you stand up? Meaning that they're just going to guide you through questions. I think we've got four or five questions. And so we've got some, we've got some people here. And we invite you just to kind of gather around five, six, seven, eight around there. We have Sandra up here in the front. We have Liv right here in the middle. Is that Liz right there in the back? We've got a clump over in here in the middle with Chris, Maddie, and Taylor all in there. So we may have to uh, spread out just a little bit right in there. But I encourage you, this is going to take, we will, you'll be done at 11.20. That's the time frame of when it is. We invite you just to kind of gather around. You don't have to talk if you don't want to around those groups. You can listen in. But this is totally, totally just about um, learning from each other, hearing from each other, um, open-ended answering of, of questions. We would love for you to stick around. So if we can, let's pull around five, six, seven people around to that, engage in the conversation. Uh, and when that's done, they'll release you and you can go um, about your day. God bless you. Hello, if you'd like to stay, I will be facilitating on Zoom. Morning. Hi, Melanie. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good. How are you? In Canada, Germany today. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Guten <laughs> Tag. All right, so I promise to have us done in 19 minutes because I tend to go over a lot. So oh, I'm gonna. <laughs> I've never struggled with that. <laughs> but then I get kicked off, so I'm trying to be good. Well, um, so there, is right. there is that. <laughs> so if we get kicked off, have a great day. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> it's amazing how big nose can. All righty, so. Do you remember the scripture, Luke 7, 36 through 50, which is on, you see that on the screen, right? Yes. Okay. On the screen, which is the one that uh, Bo went over today. I'm sorry, my sinuses are draining and I can feel it. So if I start doing something, just, just bear with me. Um, and we're just going to kind of go through these questions based off of that scripture. It's pretty long. So if you need a reminder, it's up there for you to see it. And the first thing is, and like Bo said, if you want to answer, you can. If not, no pressure. Where is a space where you know that you belong and can bring your full self? 
And what about that particular space makes it so safe or welcoming for you? Well, of course my family. Family, okay. Mm -hmm. I guess what makes it safe and welcoming is that, you know, they can't disown you for it, anything. <laughs> sort of stuck with you. Anybody else? Um, for me, it's actually Jenny's small group, which is why okay. I leave California and I still come to Genesis. <laughs> That's awesome. Also, it's barely eight in the morning and I always forget when it's discussion week. So, oh, no problem. <laughs> no problem. I'm glad you're here. <laughs> so, I'm in a Bible study. Um, and that is one space. And for me, it makes it safe and welcoming because I feel like I can be really vulnerable. Um, and I have <clears throat> my three, three closest friends. I feel that way with them. Um, and then like, I, I can't even say my family because it's not, all. I don't always feel like I can be vulnerable with my family. So that would be mine. But for me, it's like, um, it doesn't matter you know, how serious I am, how silly I am, you know, how, you know, how I want to fact check everything. I know in those spaces, people love me, so it doesn't matter. In other spaces, it becomes an issue. <laughs> yeah, I would completely agree. I feel the same way. There's, there's people in my family that I feel close to and feel like I can be myself, but you know, interesting, like you said, there, there are others that I feel guarded and I am. Um, and then of course your close friends, you know, thank God for them. <clears throat> and you. And, and me too. Thanks. <laughs> no, it's like, oh yeah. And, and Greg. And Greg. <laughs> okay. So if you want to take the time to reread the passage, 736 through 50 of Luke. <clears throat> Let me make that a little bit bigger. Can oh, you make it bigger? I, yes, I can. Is that better? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I can go bigger too. That's okay. good. That's no, too easy to read. Make it small. <laughs> <clears throat> so as we look at that, and I'm gonna I'm gonna pull the question up on my other thing. How do you make sense of what the woman is experiencing? What do you think led her to approach Jesus with such vulnerability? Why do you think this interaction was so powerful? I'm going to speak into that first. I think for me, it was so powerful because it was so unknown. It's not like she had a relationship with him. She didn't know him. She knew of him and other people's experiences. But for her to put herself out there, I think was was very vulnerable and, and very brave because she, she didn't know what that interaction was going to look like. She didn't know how she was going to be viewed. I mean, this was Pharisee. So those are people in power and 
people that can say things and have opinions and even do things to her. And she, that she disregarded all that to show love and compassion and caring for Jesus. So to me, I think it was powerful because it was like a, even though they probably didn't say this back then as much, but it was like a true step out on faith of just saying, okay, this is a man who they say is God and I'm going to go in here and I'm going to treat him as such, regardless of what, who's there, what people say, I'm going to do this because I believe the truth of what I've heard about him. And the risk is huge. The risk, it was very huge. Like, it's just (laughs) like, even just like putting a little bit of yourself out there to be judged. Like she's actually putting herself in front of the people who judge people. Yes. It's just huge. And then she's, you know, in this society, in this context, like the chances of a prophet even letting her touch him were so low. Mm-hmm. Like, so, yep, exactly. Considering her station, she was a woman, she was all these things. Right. And the repercussions that could come from that if it didn't go right, it was, it was like an ultimate I'm going to do it anyway. She must have felt really compelled, right? I mean, she must have been just so incredibly compelled and felt, I don't know what the word would be, even led to walk into a place like that is so unlikely. Mm -hmm. Um, It's it's hard. I'm surprised they let her come in even. I don't know. It's amazing. All righty. I think when you break the scriptures down like that and think of them that way, and especially in the historical context of the time and what was going on, it makes you see these stories a little differently. Mm-hmm. You know, you actually sit in them like, wow, that was brave. Or why would someone do that? And all these things kind of come up, which are different than just all right, that was a nice little story. Let's go on to the, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So. I mean, also like <clears throat> this perfume that was worth so much, like this was very dear to her. This was a yes. deep emotional exposure too. Mm-hmm. Like if I just show somebody just the tiniest bit of my emotions and run a risk of being rejected for it, I'm terrified. And there aren't even like Pharisees there in society where men aren't allowed to touch women. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. It was very, very brave. Thank you. So then the next one, and Bo spent time talking about three truths from David Benner about being able to belong, live in authenticity, and reject the false self, which is hard. And these deep truths are, you are deeply loved, that you are a sinner, I think he said words like, you know, we are flawed, we are not perfect, and that we are in the process of transformation. So if you consider those truths, do you see these truths played out in the story of the Pharisees and the woman? And which of these truths do you struggle with most in your day-to-day life? Which is the harder question, I think. I think we definitely, we just kind of hit on that, see it played out in the story. Um, 
she knew she had sins. And I think in order to feel that vulnerable and feel safe, you have to feel you are loved. I think they go together. Because if I don't feel that the someone loves me, I'm not going to put myself out there. Um, so even if she didn't know for sure what the outcome would be, she had to be like Melanie said, I think spirit led to do this, to feel safe and to feel somebody loves me and it's Jesus. Jesus loves me. God loves me. And I can do this. Um, so I definitely think that played out. She knew her sin. Um, but in order to do that, to me, that was like her, her repentance of, I'm, I'm putting it out there. Not only do I know it, I'm staying in front of Jesus, all these people, all the Pharisees, the people that can judge me, I'm putting myself out there. So that must mean I'm changing, that I am transforming and I'm trying to do something different. So I think I mean, all three were played out. I think everybody in the story except Jesus is deeply flawed, mm -hmm. but the Pharisees are actually celebrated for their yep. flaws. Yes, they so are. Like, in myself, I have the hardest time loving the parts that I'm super aware and society punishes me for. Like, that's where I can't really love myself and I have to work. But the parts that I really have to work hard to work on to be better are the flaws in me that society celebrates. Hmm. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean... Like, for example, give me an example. I, I can't think of anything. What, what would be a flaw that you feel society celebrates? That's what you're trying to ask, Melanie. Yeah, well, I'm thinking, of, you, know, if, you know, thinking about that for myself, even. I mean, that's just such an amazing thing to think about. Mm -hmm. Well, like at work. Mm-hmm a lot of stuff that everybody can get credit for. And if I take everyone's credit, which is perfectly fine, I will get awards. Oh yeah. If I work really hard to make sure everybody gets credit, everyone's annoyed with me because that means every chain of commands boss has to sign off on everything. Oh my God. <laughs> and I it see. takes so much more work. Mm -hmm. and and then we all share the credit and nobody gets an award. Mm -hmm. But we also do more good in the world because we've done this collaborative project. Mm -hmm. I've seen that too, now that you say that. So I can give you an example because that made me think of one. Um, full transparency. I'm diagnosed with OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder, which I just got like a, two years ago. And all these little... I call them idiosyncrasies that I've had for a long time, now have a, a title to them. But at work, I'm, I'm very, very rigid and structured in how I do things. And part of my job is facilitating training. And when I facilitate training and I, we co-facilitate, <clears throat> I come up, you know, everything is real structured. So when I do the uh, training timelines, it's like by the minute, because I'll go through a training and, you know, 15, 20 times and just say it out loud to get it down to the mm -hmm. four minutes for this section, three minutes for this section, 2.37 for this section. And it's this whole thing. So when I started getting treated for OCD and got on a medication and started to work, 
part of my treatment was I started pulling away from that. I stopped doing those things. And my teammates were like, well, where's the agenda? I'm like, I'm not doing an agenda anymore. And they're like, well, why not? Because I don't need to. I don't, I don't need to. And they're like, but we like them. So now I, I don't do them. And it took some people a while to get used to that because they had gotten gotten so used to it. And because I was trying to do better, I saw that as a true flaw because I would get in a spiral and a loop and I couldn't get out of it. I mean, staying up till two, three o'clock in the morning, going over a presentation that I had to be facilitated Mm -hmm. nine in the morning. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I don't do that anymore. So I was celebrating people had said, you're so organized and I love getting these training agendas and, and the timelines. And I was starting to not like the way that felt. Oh my gosh, that's so interesting. So now I don't do them and other people have had to adjust. Mm-hmm. It's fine for me now, but they're like, well, how long is this going to take? And I'll just look at the training. I'm like, we need to be here by 1230. We need to be there by 1225, you know, and then I know it, but they don't, their brains don't work that way. So mm-hmm. they're so used to me doing it a certain way. And now that I don't, it's an issue for them. I'm good with it, but I saw that as a flaw because I needed to work on getting better at that to get out of my loops. Mm-hmm. Um, and other people love the fact that I did it because it made their work easier. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that, I never thought of that. So I'm glad you said it like that. Yeah. Meredith, that. I mean, it just came to me right here. So <laughs> <laughs> that, that was interesting to say it that way. Cause I never thought of anything like that. Yeah. That hit different. Thank you. <laughs> You're no, I'm going to, I'm going to be sitting in that all week. I already know. <laughs> um, you can use it for good. Take it and run. <laughs> I am. <laughs> and I think that would be a truth that I struggle with because I feel that's the limitation, but I felt people celebrated. They were like, Oh, Nash, I'm training with Nash. Yeah. To do any work. Now they have to do work. Sorry. It's your job too. <laughs> yeah honestly better for them yes you should be so honored to have to work your job (laughs) so if we move on to number four if there was a space or community where we were able to embrace all three of those concepts what would that look like and have you ever experienced a space like that (sighs) where you feel deeply loved but understand you are flawed or are center, but can show or demonstrate that you are also in the process of transformation. Yeah, I think one of the only places that I really feel all three of those things all at the same time is in uh, this church community, for sure. Um, a lot of the people that deeply love me and would it be okay with the fact that I'm a sinner don't really want to talk about transformation. You know what I mean? <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's similar to the things you were just talking about no one really wants to put that much effort into relationships unless it becomes mandatory you know to remain in the relationship mm-hmm. but um you know one of the things I was thinking about that I struggle with is especially in the story I have this constant struggle I have a brother that just triggers all kinds of negativity in me. And I'm constantly trying to forgive him and let him be loved and a sinner. And 
but I never see trans any work towards transformation. And I also don't see any um, willingness to look at anything bigger than himself, whether it's got, you know, his version of anything bigger than himself. You know, so I think about that story with Jesus in the beginning and really feel like I, you know, I need to let it go. And I, I just am unable to. And I mean, I don't know. And just thinking about this stuff, it's like, I, I don't know if I would even give him the space to transform. You know, there's so much layers well, of hard story. You know what I'm saying? I'm sure I'm not the only person that had people that struggle, but in the, all these stories with Jesus, I just wonder, you know, so when he walked up on somebody who was just so closed off and he still loved them, I, I just don't, I just don't get how you even do that. Can I, can I interject right here? Yeah. Um, so, okay. So I, I, I do know parts of the Bible, but I don't know where stuff is. So I'm like, it's in there somewhere because I know it is for a fact, right? I couldn't tell you the verse. I'm not that type of person. But there's a part in the Bible when Jesus sends out the disciples two by two and he tells them, if you get to a place and really people don't accept you, you dust your feet off and you move on to the next place, right? To me, that is the same as meeting somewhere where they are like god that god jesus they meet us where we are not where they want us to be or where we should be but where we are and someone's transformation number one might not look like what we think it should it may take much longer than we feel it should but all we can do is love them where they're at and we might not even be around for the transformation um I feel like my life is, is part of my life is just to plant seeds. I might not water them. I might not watch them grow. I might not be there to prune. I just want to plant seeds. I do it with my job. I do it in relationships. All I do is plant seeds. Other people will come around and come along and take care of the rest. So I think like the burden of the transformation piece is not our responsibility. That's on God. You meet people where they are, plant whatever seed you plant, love them in the meantime, and you keep on going. And you just keep doing that. That's the relationship. You don't have to worry about the transformative process. Your role is to plant seeds and love. And that's it. And if you do it like that, there's so much less responsibility because you can't make people change. <laughs> it's yeah, so much that, I guess that, that's, that's, that's helpful because I guess I do feel a lot of responsibility because I feel a lot of guilt. You mm -hmm. know, like I'm getting married in a couple of weeks and I invited him, but honestly, I just need to, I mean, that's, that's, that's a good way to think of it. And, and uh, I just feel burdened that it doesn't ever get better, I guess is what I'm saying. That not your burden and because it's someone so close it makes it harder yeah if this was for someone you worked with you probably wouldn't even care but you love your brother so it makes it different mm -hmm. but just keep love them anyway yeah yeah thanks yeah my mom is an addict and I had to completely walk away 15 years ago and 
if she were to approach in a way that was meaningful, I would be open to that. But I also had to kind of step back so she couldn't hurt me anymore. Yeah. And so I have to love her from a distance, but I still love her where she is. It's just, there's been so much that's broken that if she only comes at me with, you need to fix this, that's not actually an offer of reconciliation. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. And lastly, before they kick us off, <laughs> what does it look like over the next week for you to bring your full self to a community? I'm going to add to that. And how comfortable do you feel doing that? And you don't even have to say what it is, but what does it look like over the next week for you to bring your full self to a community? I don't know. And that's Nothing. fine. That's fine. <laughs> and, may, and if you don't know, maybe it is praying about that. God, what does it look like for me to fully show up? Or God, help me fully show up somewhere. I mean, it is kind of hard to fully show up the week you're getting married. It is. It really <laughs> is. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of masks you wear that week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're right what well you know honestly you know there is so much um societal expectation around the whole bride thing which is why part of the reason I was so flipped out about even getting involved with all that but for me to be my full shelf is just to show up and <laughs> you know what I mean and not not carry any of that that messaging in my head and just be there for Greg and I which is what it's about anyway the rest of it really is doesn't even matter scripted right yeah it's the so, show that's my goal that's my goal <laughs> is to show up genuinely and you know for him and I and you know we wanted our family there to, because we love them and, and that's really all awesome. mm -hmm. so, yeah yeah so everyone kind of maybe sit in that and think about what that looks like and I'm going to pray us out okay so God, thank you for allowing us this space and this time just to be with one another, to talk through some things, to be able to dive a little deeper into your word and understand it and see the beauty in it. Um, allow us to be vulnerable, but to feel loved, to understand and accept that we are not perfect, that we are flawed, but to also understand that we are changing and our change is our pace and you know us better than anybody else. So regardless of what it looks like on the outside to anyone else, you know, that we are doing what we can to be closer to you is what's most important. And all the things we do this upcoming week, be present, allow us to have the right words to say to people in interactions, to have the right tone, um, to say what needs to be said, or to not say anything if it is of no value. We pray that we can show love in all the spaces we are in um, and that we can be seen, that we can feel love, 
and that we can fully be our true authentic selves in our interaction. In Jesus name, amen. Oh, wait, one more for Melanie and Greg. Again, mm -hmm. congratulations, best wishes, and just praying that your marriage is filled with God and filled with love for each other. Even if you have to shut the rest of the world out, just love on each other. Yeah. In amen. Name, amen. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Nasha, thank you so much for your thoughtful leadership. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> I love doing Thanks for groups. joining us out there. <laughs> It's really, it's really, really nice to be able to come back. I really appreciate this. Yeah. I love it when you show up because I know, I don't know if I would get up this early, to be honest with you, if I was in your time zone. <laughs> it, uh, it doesn't happen every week. <laughs> <laughs> but you usually show up on the group weeks and I'm like, hey. <laughs> well, it's lovely to be here. I appreciate it. Thank you for coming. Okay, everyone have an awesome, awesome week. Yeah, uh, you too. I that it is not too cold. You know, Meredith, I'm sure you don't have to worry about that. But for the rest of us, stay warm, stay healthy, stay safe, and try to listen for God and the Holy Spirit in everything you do. Everything will turn out fine. We've got plenty of snow on the ground. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's snowing up here. Yeah. We, we had flurries. But it's it's really cold. It's, there's not a ton, um, maybe an inch. But still, there we go. <laughs> All right, guys, you have a good day. Bye. Have a great day. Have a great week. Happy wedding week. Yay. Thanks. Bye. Take care. Take care. <laughs>